So I have a confession to make to you all this morning. Yeah. It always freaks people out. The pastor says she has a confession. I am a worry wart. Absolutely. Is there anybody who is there with me? I had some people on the lawn. Yes, I have people. Thank you. Thank you. Worrying is just in my nature. And so try as hard as I might, I just can't escape it. So oftentimes it's the little things. I have a two and a half year old, so my husband and I can tell you every time we leave the door, we're always worrying how long is this going to last before the tantrum eventually erupts and we just have to call it quits and go home. I also worry if I have enough time between my busy life and everything if I have to do to get the things I need done, done on time. I also spend a lot of time worrying, am I going to remember all the things I have to do each Sunday, all the people I need to meet with, all the emails I have to send as a pastor each and every week. And so I bet if I were to go around the room and talk to you all, if I were to have a conversation with our folks online, you would agree with me. You would express similar feelings. You may worry about your spouse and your kids and your grandkids, that they will be healthy and they will be fulfilled and feel loved. You too may find yourself worrying about that to-do list, about your family, about your friends. And if we were to dig deep, if we were to be honest and vulnerable with each other, we worry a lot about the big things too. As Jeremy mentioned earlier, we worry about this global conflict that we find ourselves in. We worry, what if Russia does attack a NATO country and all that means? What if there's nuclear weapons involved in this thing at some point? What would that do? What if World War III does, in fact, happen and we're here in the midst of it? And even closer to home, we worry about very real and personal things. We worry about our finances. Is everything balanced? Are we saving enough? Are we spending just enough? Are we giving enough? How are things going at our job? Are we a good employee? Are we still going to have our job? Are we going to survive this worker shortage that seems to not be ending? And what about the future? What's going to happen long term to us and our families and our world, our denomination as a whole? These are all the worries that keep us up at night. But then we bring all these things, all these realities of who we are and what we worry about. We bring them to this familiar passage in Luke that we're reading from today. It's from Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34, and I'll be reading out of the New Revised Standard Version. He said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barn. And yet God feeds them of how much more value are you than the birds? And can by worrying you add a single hour to your span of life? If you are not able to do a thing as small as that, then why do you worry about the rest? 
Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed as these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not keep striving for what you will eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after all these things. And your father knows that you need them. Instead, strive for his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourself that do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So even if you haven't grown up in church, these words and phrases are things that are familiar to us. But if you're like me, then it can be very easy to be very skeptical about this scripture passage. Jesus tells you, do not worry. Yeah, yeah, right, Jesus. That is so much easier said than done. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to the span of your life? Well, no, of course not, but... It's not like I can just magically turn off worrying like I turn off a light switch now, is it? We see all these beautiful words about ravens and lilies of the field, how they do not worry and instead rely on God. And that's all fine and well and good and wonderful, but it doesn't just take our worries away, does it? Yet, on the other end... These words that Jesus shares are comforting. They are quite beautiful, if we're honest. For many of us, we can count this passage as one of our favorites. It's very possible that for some of you, during a hardship or a trial, a time of worry or stress, you may have read this very passage over and over and over again. To get some comfort and reassurance in your life. And that is a beautiful thing. Both of those things can be true. But today let's dive into the scripture passage a little deeper. And see how we can apply this to our lives today. What we can discover about worrying. How we can find that grace and that strength to take Jesus' command not to worry to heart. Even in the midst of our stressful and uncertain and unperfect lives. When it comes to scripture passages like this one in Luke today that we are so very familiar with, we find ourselves sometimes getting stuck just within the bounds of those passages. But the reality is if we zone out a little bit more, we get something entirely different. Yes, the exact scriptures I read portray this beautiful, ideal, magical world where worries are magically gone. Where God is there to meet every need and everyone always perfectly understands that. But if we look at the bigger picture just a little bit more, you see something more like the world that you and I are used to. 
In Luke 12, 13, just one passage prior to our scripture reading today, we see a family coming up to Jesus for a real-world, regular, totally relatable squabble. So you see, this family had a death in the family. There was an inheritance to be divided, and of course, there was arguments over who deserved to get what. Now, that, that is the world that we are used to. A good, old-fashioned piece of family drama over who gets what, and they go to Jesus to try to figure it out. It's a worry that we're familiar with, figuring out if the division will be fair and a worry of, are we going to get enough to meet our needs? And so how does Jesus respond to this family squabble? Well, in typical Jesus fashion, he tells a parable. He spins this story of a rich farmer who toiled and gathered up so much and so abundance. He had to knock down his smaller barns and build bigger ones to store all his stuff. And so it was in that moment, after all that toiling, all that stressing, all that worrying, Finally, the rich farmer decided he could take it easy and enjoy the stuff he had acquired. But we see how foolish this rich farmer was for being stuck in this never-ending pursuit of stuff. In verse 20, God says to the farmer, You fool! This very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. We see that the farmer's lifelong pursuit of giving in to worry, this lifelong pursuit and quest to have more stuff, more toiling, more security, that was his downfall. The worry pushed him so much into this pursuit of stuff That he didn't care about the kingdom of God at all. He was not rich toward God at all. And so when the time came, all that toiling, all that worrying and all that stuff turned out to be useless. So when we understand this family squabble and this parable, all is the background of Jesus' command not to worry. It helps us see a bigger picture. It helps us to see that Jesus is not making a simple or a trite command to turn our worries off like a light switch because that is not possible. We understand that Jesus isn't magically saying nothing bad will ever happen to those that follow God because that's not true. What we see is that Jesus is warning us not to be like the foolish and rich farmer. That Jesus is commanding us to look at the ravens and the lilies for an example of how to live without this obsessive striving and worry that distracts us from the kingdom of God. That God is warning us, don't get to that place where you are fighting tooth and nail with your very own siblings over who gets the most money when a parent dies. But instead, striving to live a life where we can coexist beautifully side by side, like lilies in the field. It's an invitation to take a breath 
an invitation to step out of the rat race, an invitation to strive for the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of stuff. It's an invitation to, as my dad so famously says to me when I'm in the midst of worry or stress or panic, it's an invitation to not sweat the small stuff and focus on what is really important in life. What God has really called you and me to do and to be. Our scripture passage today inspired a hymn, one that you have probably heard of before. His eye is on the sparrow. So in his book, Embracing the Uncertain, Magreda Vega tells the story of where the words of this song came from. It came from Sevilla D. Martin and was inspired by her friends, Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle. You see, Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle did not have an easy life by any stretch of the imagination. Mr. Doolittle, or Mrs. Doolittle, excuse me, had been bedridden for 20 years when Sevilla came to visit. And Mr. Doolittle, her husband, was confined to a wheelchair. But when Sevilla entered the home, she didn't see two people who were wallowing in their sorrows. She didn't see two people who were obsessed with striving to make sure that their ends were met. She saw two people with a strong and a steady faith despite everything that they had been through. And so Sevilla asked them, how did they keep such a strong faith and good spirits despite everything? And Mrs. Doolittle replied, his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. And so the rest, as they say, is history. Sevilla went on to pen this hymn that has brought inspiration and comfort for so many. All from the story of two very ordinary Christians who held strong in their faith despite real hardships. So what about for us today? What about us self-confessed worry warts? What do we do in the face of this scriptural command to not worry? Well, if you're like me and you've tried to use this passage to force yourself not to worry before, I have an idea for us. How about instead of seeing this as a impossible and harsh command to not worry that Jesus has given us another assignment to do what if we don't look at it that way what if we were to look at this as a loving invitation not to worry right a loving invitation to give up that pursuit endless pursuit of stuff and instead abide in the kingdom of God a loving invitation to step back To take a breath to focus on God instead of the rat race. A gentle reminder made in love to focus on how we can love God and love others in this life. All for the sake of the kingdom of God. Just think about that and how making that shift saying yes to this loving invitation could radically change our lives, our community, maybe even our world. And if you're like me, you maybe need a little bit more than that. Well, I have a practical exercise for you today. 
It's one given to me by a counselor many years ago because, yes, you can take this passage to heart and still see a therapist or counselor. Yes, you can take um, this passage to heart and get that help that you may need. But the exercise that he gave me was this. When you find yourself getting wrapped up in those anxieties and those worries, close your eyes. Close your eyes and go to God in prayer. And then visualize. Visualization is a very great tool. Truly visualize yourself giving over those worries to God. Visualize yourself handing over that friend who is sick, your kids who are struggling in school, your spouse who is overworked, those finances that you worry about, that job performance you're uncertain about, what have you. Visualize handing them over to God, knowing that they will be in good hands. Yes, this is a simple exercise, but it can be an incredibly powerful tool. An incredibly powerful tool to remind us that God is with us to give us comfort and support and grace in all of our worries. So whatever anxieties you are carrying with you today, I hope that you find comfort, reassurance, grace, and peace in our Lord Jesus Christ. As the hymn says, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. Let's close in prayer together. God of grace and God of peace. We thank you for the comforting presence of you in the midst of our worries. May you help us all today to learn from the words of Jesus. Learn from the example of Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle. May we trust that your eye is on the sparrow and we know you are watching us. Amen. So we thank you for taking this time to gather with us in worship today. And so as we prepare to go from this place, Hear the benediction. Know that whatever worries and anxieties that you may carry, that God's real presence is with you. For God's eye is on the sparrow, and we know God watches us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.